Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome to the program. Always an honor to sit in for Jim, play a small role contributing to the biggest and most important show in our industry. Brian Weber with you. Pausing for the collective sigh across this great nation of ours and into Canada. I know. Here's the good news. You only have to deal with me for three hours today. Jim is back tomorrow. Bad news. I know my tendencies. If I'm only working one day this month, I'm going all in. So if you find me excruciating to deal with typically and I fully understand, I'm going to have to regulate myself because the tendency is to cram in even more content. We've had a couple items of breaking news within the last 30 minutes. For most among them, a woge bomb. No surprise, the NBA finding James Harden $100,000 for his comments made in China, most specifically calling his GM for now, Daryl Morey, a liar. We'll get into the fallout from that. What Damian Lillard should learn from Harden, because Harden has a few areas of expertise disappearing in high-leverage situations in playoff games, adding just enough weight to force his way off a roster, and then coming up with convoluted situations so teams, even Daryl Morey-led, his biggest fan, have no choice but to part company with him. Lillard should be doing more of the same. We'll get there coming up in an hour because I'm not going to blow up the rundown based on, I think, largely predictable news. We're going wall-to-wall football, but I'll always carve out time for your thoughts. Pick up the phone, 1-800-636-8686. With the caveat on a big word Tuesday, phone calls taken selectively. You can X me, hit me up on social media. B.W. Weber, Weber with two B's, emails, still a thing, RomanHaveATake.com. Hopefully by now, as now I'm trying to ease into my FM DJ voice, my approach is formulaic. I get to the interaction 20 minutes into each hour. I never overwhelm you with guests because I'm delusional enough to think I'm just that fascinating. Plus, I was being sincere beyond just the normal hype that comes with being a fill-in host. We got a lot to get to. We're going to talk Jonathan Taylor to kick off the program coming up. Baker Mayfield, within the last 45 minutes, has been named the starter in Tampa Bay. If you can't edge out Kyle Trask, you should not be playing professional football if you think Baylor... Baker is still in the realm of the professional ranks. Plus, I'm going to use Monday Night Football and the Redskins celebrating a preseason victory in an exhibition context like they won a Super Bowl and nobody cares the Ravens had won 24 straight in preseason football. But we'll use Washington as the driver to examine the NFC East coming up in the final hour of the program. Alvin misread the schedule. He is here. I'm delighted, but I know he's already working on his fantasy football draft. Fantasy alert, fantasy alert, and the macho man, Jack Savage, did not get the memo. You can't make eye contact with the host, so just avert my gaze. I am a strange dude, and you'll figure that out more as hopefully we have opportunities to work together more frequently. And he is the Macho Man, not only because of the terrific animation put together by our skilled TV production team on the Cybelcast on CBS Sports Network, but if you're thinking savage, and this is the difference between Jim, who's in the Hall of Fame, and a jabroni like me, I heard savage. Instantly, I thought, oh, yeah. As the cream rises to the crop. No guest in this first hour. No guest all the way until the final segment of the next hour. We're talking college football as week zero with branding as lame as the current landscape with the radical realignment that just won't go away in a sport I care deeply about. We'll talk college football 140 Eastern time with P. Futek. He is the publisher of collegefootballnews.com. We wrap up the program talking even more NFL than what I'm going to handle presently when we say hello to Josh Alper, profootballtalk.com. Let's start with the running back position. Melvin Gordon, the philosopher, said it best on this program. It sucks to be a running back. And remember, Jim has the time-honored wisdom that saying something sucks is not a take. 
but Melvin Gordon was deadly accurate with that assessment. And we'll do the Wisconsin connection. Woody will not be involved in this analogy, but yeah, Melvin Gordon, a Badger great, and Jonathan Taylor, another friend of the program, another Wisconsin star. Jim had a terrific conversation with Jonathan on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome. Always great to have a chance to spend some time with you. 1-800-636-8686. Hit me up on social media, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In 15 minutes, we'll talk a little bit of Baker Mayfield and then quarterbacks you truly care about, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. What do they have in common? In distinction to Deshaun Watson, you can probably figure out the financial breadcrumbs that I'm laying down. We'll get there coming up in just a bit. Jonathan Taylor, understandably, is unhappy. Why? Because he's a premier running back who's not getting paid, in his estimation, fairly. Just over $4 million due this year in the final year of his rookie contract. So this saga has been predictable, and it gives us a chance to also jump back into the never-ending pool of content that is Jim Irsay. Love to see it. Love to hear it. But <laughs> Love to see it. Numb at this point. Jim Irsay, if we're going to do the jungle power rankings over the last year and a half, clearly has moved to the top of the list. In this instance, it's not that he's being entertaining or creative, or talking about the CIA and sausage making, or promoting a pancake flipper with no head coaching experience beyond the high school ranks to a job he was not deserving of. No, in this instance, it's just Ursay being hypocritical, like most NFL owners. Because if I can take you back to less than a month ago, July 29th, Ursay went on the record with Albert Breer, a real football journalist. I work with Albert at NFL Network. He now does an outstanding job for MMQB.com on Sports Illustrated. Quote, the team is not trading Jonathan Taylor. That was then. This is now. You had the big story yesterday trickle out that the Colts now have signed off on Taylor and his team looking around the league for a potential trade. But doesn't this feel exactly like what we went through with Austin Eckler of the Chargers. Now, I realize there's a disparity if we're just trying to compare, say, the resumes and the impact of Taylor and Eckler. Eckler productive, but he's just a guy. He also plays for a franchise that's not going to spend any money unless you can metaphorically put the football gun to their head, as Herbert was able to do to get that massive contract. So Eckler... It was academic, was just going to be going through the motions, looking for a new team to play for. And what did he get after all the conversation, all the drama, and all the histrionics? Nothing. Not a single dollar more of guaranteed money. All he got was the ability to earn a few more bucks through incentives. Now, that's Austin Eckler. And typically, any kind of leverage one can create is based on their options and their skill set. So let's attack that piece by piece. Jonathan Taylor has a phenomenal range of abilities when healthy. Remember last year, missed a handful of games, about a half dozen with the ankle injury that sent him under the knife. And then there was the mysterious back ailment to start training camp, but that really felt like 12-dimensional chess being played between the team and their disgruntled running back because Taylor, understandably, wants a better deal. Because all you have to do is go back to 2021 when he was an all-pro. Forget about being a pro bowler. Geno Smith was a pro bowler last year. All-pro is meaningful and elite status. And he led the league in rushing. Well, who else has recently led the league in rushing? don't have to go that far in your memory bank. Just go back to last year. Josh Jacobs in Vegas, number one in the NFL in rushing. He wanted more money. What's happening there? Nothing. Now, he's going to show up because he has no options. And while I understand his resentment of being tagged because the tag should not exist anymore, it's a vestige of a different time in the NFL. It has no basis for existence in a league that prints money the only reason it's around is to have a huge impediment to 
getting more compensation and blocking free agency. But Jacobs, when he finally capitulates on a big word Tuesday, is going to get $10 million bucks. Good money for a running back, but grossly underpaid when you compare impactful players at every other position that matters. Quarterback, edge rusher, left tackle, shut down corner. So how is this going to play out for Taylor? Well, if we just start with the current description of what's going on, I love the phrasing. He's gotten permission to seek a trade. Well, thank you, Mr. Ursay. Thank you for allowing me to examine the immutable laws of supply and demand so I can find out with my agent if there's a market out there and you can push back and say, hey, loud guy over enunciating, whoever you are, I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome. Your interaction coming up in 10 minutes, 1-800-636-8686. Social media, your best bet, X me, B.W. Weber, Weber with two X's. You might say the contract should be sacred. And I would remind you that contracts mean nothing in the NFL because they're all, 99% of the time, other than Deshaun Watson, a one-way deal. The team can cut any player at any time because we all accept that to be, well, that's just how business is done in football because these guys get continuously hurt you can't have guaranteed contracts for a 53-man roster can you well of course you can but we've accepted this to be a truth and more to the point the players association has done a miserable job for decades so don't talk to me about the contract let's just talk about the realities if you want to get into the minutiae taylor final year of the rookie deal the realities of where things stand according to reports And the NFL has an army of insiders in which everything leaks for a reason. NBA has woes dropping bombs and shams trying to keep up. NFL has more insiders than we have tracking our federal government. We probably could use more as I get deep as the fill-in guy. But you saw the trickle reports yesterday. The Colts, quote-unquote, are demanding a first-round pick in return. Okay, good luck with that. I'm demanding to fill in for Jim tomorrow. Thursday and Friday, I have the same expectations and I have the same probability of that goal coming into focus. Not going to happen. But you can certainly ask. And if you just think I'm being over the top, you know it works in the NFL. Teams now believe as almost a religious truth that you don't invest a first-round pick on a premier running back coming out of college when they have less mileage on them before they're beaten up by having 400 touches in a single season. Although I do think Bijan Robinson, another friend of the program, I'm just letting you know I listen carefully. Plus, I love college football, although I'm going to tear it down in 30 minutes. Bijan was spectacular last year in Texas. His versatility is a perfect alignment for what Arthur Smith wants to do. Remember, the Falcons run the ball as much as anybody in the modern NFL. Bijan is going to be the exception that proves the rule. But we've had this conversation for a long time. Nobody wants to invest a first-round pick in a running back anymore. So who's going to trade a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor also with the realities of that contract? Because if you're only going to be renting him for the rest of this year, what are you going to give up as compensation? If you want to have the long-term relationship, now we're talking. And the comp could be the structure that we got from the Christian McCaffrey deal. Remember, the difference was the Panthers had already come up with a deal that every other team resents because McCaffrey is grossly overpaid within the running back market. I'm not saying I think he's overpaid. I'm saying given the parameters of everybody else. Poor Aaron Jones took a $5 million pay cut and sounded happy to go through that in Green Bay because he's still walking away with $11 bucks. But if you don't know the particulars of the McCaffrey deal, nor should you, it's my job after all, Niners gave up a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Four picks for McCaffrey, and you can't argue with the impact as he was a huge reason why, especially with Mr. Irrelevant under center, that San Francisco offense was humming at such a high level along with one of the most powerful front sevens in the entire NFL to get all the way to the MC title game. So what can Blue Horseshoe get in return? I think it's going to be a package if, in fact, Taylor is moved, which I don't think is going to happen, but we're going through the exercise here. 
if in fact the trade happens, it feels like a second round pick so the Colts can save face, plus maybe a late round pick or a marginal player to round out the roster. But who is going to be willing to expend capital on a player that the Colts may not want to deal if they don't get the right blow-me-away kind of offer? Who's willing to step up? I'd love to see Miami do this deal. And I don't want to be repetitive just recycling some of the content that I was going through the last time I filled in for Jim. The last time I was in this chair, we were still on Dalvin Cook. Watch, 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 watch. But remember, Cook was flirting with Miami, going back to his home area. Didn't happen. Miami, if they can find any way to have a more reliable ground game, to take the pressure off of Tua, to give him a more realistic possibility of staying upright, certainly has to consider overpaying for that ability. And I was disappointed to see Devon A-Chain get banged up. If you've not seen A-Chain, dude is fast because everyone in Miami is fast, but he was unbelievably quick playing at Texas A&M. I know he's out with a shoulder injury. Miami has options in place with the rookie, with most other fellas, but Taylor obviously is an upgrade. When healthy, and I'm not going to do the fantasy Alvin bit, but when healthy, he's a top five running back in all of football. How about the Bills? They kicked the tires on Dalvin Cook. I think it would have been weird to have him splitting reps with his brother James. But if you believe the championship window may be closing in Buffalo, or more to the point, even though he just got the contract extension, Sean McDermott has urgency to win now as we're getting further and further away from Buffalo's lone trip to the AFC title game with this collection of players. Why wouldn't you try to figure out a way to get Taylor on that offense also to take the pressure off of Josh Allen, who keeps putting himself in way too many risky situations because that's how he plays the game, because he's a dog in the best sense of the word. Vikings wouldn't pay Dalvin Cook. I know they have Madison. I think they should be interested in Taylor. Ravens, to me, are fascinating, and I'm not being a prisoner of the moment. Yes, I watched some of Monday Night Football last night. I have no life. And in fact, because I live on the West Coast, I stuck around to the end. Hail to the team that we don't say that word anymore. Washington wins, and they dance off the field like it was 1972. George Allen not walking through that door after the Gatorade bucket went awry. But watching Baltimore play as they have revamped the offense, and now Lamar Jackson is not a hostage of what Greg Roman was telling him to do. We know J.K. Dobbins is as disgruntled as Jonathan Taylor, but he's not nearly as good. I think the Ravens would be a terrific fit. Plus, we know that the Ravens, just like Atlanta, run the ball in a way that makes it feel like we're talking about 1975 football. But I think as we wind it down, this is going to be much ado about nothing. This is Jim Irsay. We love to see it. We love to see it. Trying to appease Jonathan Taylor, saying, my man, <laughs> the world it. is yours. Survey the league. You come back with an offer knowing there aren't going to be offers, in my opinion, that come anywhere close to the ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous ask that the Colts are throwing out there. And they're just playing the game because they're trying to placate a star that they need but I'm on Team Taylor here. If you can find your way out of Indy, do it. Andrew Luck walked away from the sport because he couldn't handle playing for the Colts anymore, in part because they could never build a realistic offensive line. So we'll find out how things play out, if there's any breaking news. A very earnest macho man, Jack Savage, will hand me the details with a font about 18 or 20, so the man too vain to get glasses, can squint his way through the particulars. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome. We'll get to the James Harden situation coming up in 40 minutes to tip off hour number two of the program. Coming up in 20 minutes, we're talking college football countdown to kick off for week zero, which makes zero sense as a description, is already underway. As mentioned, straight ahead, your interaction, and we're talking quarterbacks 
Baker Mayfield with a chance to resurrect his career, officially named the starter today in Tampa Bay. Plus, now that Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert all have gotten paid and Joe Burrow's about to get the bag, as you kids say, how much worse does Deshaun Watson's contract look for the Browns and the entire NFL? Just getting warmed up on a very active Tuesday. Always a pleasure to be in for Jim. I'm Brian Weber. You're in the jungle here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Brian Weber back with you keeping the reinforced chair warm. Jim winding down after his trip to Boulder to drop Logan Rome off at Colorado. The Hall of Famer back with us tomorrow, I'm sure, and I look forward to every time Jim returns from the road because it becomes the Jack Kerouac-style program with highlights of the roadie. So, I'm doing my best to be clone-friendly. No guests in this first hour. No guests until we go deep, deep, deep into hour number two when we talk college football at 1.40 Eastern time with Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Because I love college football more than the NFL, I said it in 15 minutes, a rant that I know is going to be, if possible, more sanctimonious than normal. I'm giving you fair warning just maybe to dial down the volume Take out the thesaurus. The big words will be flowing about the death of college football as we know it. Man, that is right on top of the soapbox. As always, we get to your social media after the monologue. A few X's. I'm just going to call Twitter because I don't care what Elon wants to do with his toy. Moving dirt. Absolutely love. B.W. Weber with two B's filling in for Jim Rome. Should be a great moment. Thank you. Obviously a relative in the mix, but... That can't be maintained because we go from the good to the bad. Orlasco, Weber, only three hours. Easy for you to say. Signed, Jim's chair groaning underneath the fat alarm. As I become more of a narcissist on the phenomenal simulcast, the word on the street is I'm actually down. Here's the problem. Jim is in such phenomenal shape. Anybody who sits in this chair looks like Orson Welles. A contemporary reference. There was a time in this country when we used to poke fun at husky people like myself. I'm not saying fat shaming is right, but if I'm going to go Don Rickles, Orson Welles would be the (laughs) very current large person that I would go after. And now you know the rest of the story. Uh, B.W. Weber, more people with the mic need to reinforce the inequities of NFL contracts and the franchise tag. Well done. Thank you. I'm not trying to be a labor lawyer. I'm not trying to lead a picket line anywhere. I'm just applying common sense. The tag does not exist in any other of the pro sports, and no sport has a stranglehold on revenue more so than the NFL. And if there was a real union doing real collective bargaining, the tag would go away. But the players have prioritized other things like smoke and weed, which I understand because the tag only applies to a very small group of premier players. Finally, B-Webb, are you ready to admit you were wrong about Hurricane Hillary? Oh, my goodness. We're getting into Stormwatch. Chargers-Saints game was fine. Phil in SF. I have a Baker Mayfield take I'm going to get to. Phil, I was not doing sky is falling tweeting. I am a responsible person. As you get older, you fixate on the weather. Also, as much as I overcompensate based on being self-aware that I grew up on the East Coast by over-enunciating 
and hitting all my T's. I grew up in an area that got hit hard by hurricanes as a kid. So maybe I was having flashbacks to my father taping the windows, filling up the bathtub with water, and hoarding batteries. We had not had a tropical storm as I come to you from a Regal Studios in Southern California in this region since 1937. My point was simply this. It was an exhibition game kicking at 4 o'clock local time. By 11 o'clock in my neighborhood, the street was already flooded. So if you're going to go through my plaintive tweets, I really was pointing out the hypocrisy, again, back to labor and management, as I'm just going to be walking back and forth trying to unionize Alvin coming up. I felt empathy for the freelance stadium workers who had to show up and had no choice. If they didn't, they didn't get paid or their jobs was in serious jeopardy. So my thought was, it's an exhibition reschedule. I was not doing a fatwa against the Chargers. I was just saying common sense, although you can't tell me financial motivations were not part of the calculus because remember, the greatest scam of them all is exhibition football on watchable content at regular season prices because it's the 20-game model. So that's what I was pointing out. All right, Phil, you got me distracted. I had a whole mosaic of thoughts about how bad the Deshaun Watson contract is that you knew about. Here's how it came into clarity for me. Just thinking about we're all waiting for Joe Burrow to get fully healthy coming back from the calf injury. You probably saw the video yesterday. He's working out. Good sign in Cincinnati. And we're waiting to see how much money he can chisel away from cheap, I'll say it, want to go with frugal, Mike Brown or Mr. Brown if you cover the NFL because you have to use regal descriptions for these oligarchs. Joe Burrow is going to get, I think, basically a few percentage points more than Herbert. But remember, Herbert, with the monster deal, average annual value, 52.5 million bucks, still didn't get anything close to the fully guaranteed contract of Watson. Watson, 230 million all guaranteed. And think about that division. As much as we're all fixated on the AFC East, and of course, I'll talk some Jets coming up in the next hour of the program with Aaron Rodgers making his preseason debut this weekend. And because Jim will talk hard knocks upon his return tomorrow. Cleveland's going to be the worst team in what I think is the deepest division in all of football. Watson turning 28 next month. A well-documented predator. That contract looks worse and worse by the minute. And who is going to be the player? And it should be Patrick Mahomes, but for all the breathless headlines about his close to half billion dollar contract, it's nothing even in the neighborhood of that because it's a series of one year voidable contracts. Mahomes should step up and say, all right, Watson's worth 230 million guaranteed worth in the estimation of the Haslam family. Go to the Hunts and say, I want 400 million guaranteed. And he won't because it's the culture of football, because these guys all have been raised to drink the Kool-Aid, and Mahomes, to his credit, is willing to be flexible to round out the roster. A final thought on Baker Mayfield, since we're talking money. Reportedly, allegedly, he needs the dough. And this is a sad story, if true, but you probably have seen the report foremost among them on profootballtalk.com, since we're talking to Josh Alper from Mike Florio's fine website in the final hour of the program. Baker and his wife retaining an attorney to explore forensic accounting as to where their money has gone. And don't you know, members of his family are involved in the investment business. Uh-oh. If you're a Baker fan, I know this is a big Baker house. At least he's got a shot to jumpstart his declining career. But when you go from being a unjustified number one overall pick to going on to your four team. And it took until the business end of the month of August to outlast Kyle Trask. Not exactly Montana versus Young as a quarterback competition. Baker clearly running on fumes. If your team Baker, at least he's got wideouts because Evans and Godwin our playmakers, they made Tom Brady, who was 117 years old and looked like it towards the end of last year on the field, seem serviceable. So Baker's got a shot. 
I'm not rooting against them. In fact, if these allegations are true, because we've all dealt with, let's say, family dynamics or horrible relatives, get every dollar you can. Because don't forget, he took a pay cut to force his way out of Cleveland to go to Carolina. And you know the rest of the story. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Open the phone calls moving forward. 1-800-636-8686. Do not come back with a gotcha tweet about me hoping to have this region proceed with abundance of caution for a once-in-a-75-year-old period storm. I know it wasn't that bad, but had it been what it could have been, that game never should have been played. I'm just getting warmed up to be as much of a preacher man as I can be because college football kicks off on Saturday. Straight ahead, I'm going to tell you why. This season represents the end of the sport as we know it. And you guessed it, I don't feel fine. First, it is time for a sports update. Peter Schwartz has all the headlines. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Motoring ahead on a very busy Tuesday, 1-800-636-8686. Emails at option, roamandhaveatake.com. More of your social media thoughts coming up in the next hour of the program. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, talking college football here and 60 minutes from now. The monologue that's about to unfold is going to be worse than normal. I'm just self-reporting, but I'm doing it with intent because an hour from now, when we talk college football with our first of two guests, P. Futak from collegefootballnews.com, we're actually going to focus on the games and the teams. We're going to talk real football. Not going to tell you what to bet and who you should be leaning towards, but Because college football is the second most popular sport out there, I know it's football, but brand other than the NFL, to me what's going on within the sport is as fascinating and in many ways even more intriguing than the product on the field, and the product on the field is sensational. We love college football because it used to be different than the NFL, and I don't want to be more delusional than normal, and miss all of the wonderful components that make a Saturday, there's a T in there, in the fall so unique. Because here on the West Coast, if you roll out of the rack at 9 a.m., the games are kicking off, and you can ride that all the way until, I guess it's going to be Big Ten and Big 12 after dark next year. Or if you're a degenerate, watching Hawaii football to chase what you lost earlier in the day, you got endless possibilities, and that's not going to change. But as someone who was very lucky to get a entree into a career that was more important to me than anything else at the time and sadly hasn't changed, for all my foibles, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. I do care about this stuff in a bizarre way. College football was my foot in the door because I went to a school in the soon-to-be Pac-4 in which nobody else wanted to be a broadcaster because they were wise enough to choose lucrative careers. So I was able to be around a football team that traveled to Notre Dame and upset the Irish when they were number one when I was 20 years old as a student broadcaster. I was lucky enough to be the host of coaches' shows. Back in the day of regional cable, I was calling TV games on tape delay. I'm damn old is the takeaway. But beyond nostalgia, 
What has made college football so transcendent is the elements that are not carbon copy duplication of the NFL. Regional rivalries. Tradition that lasts in many cases over a century. I understand not all of it's going away. Adapt or die. I listen to the reinvention project. I believe in what Jim says on that program and all of his salient guests. If you stay the same, you're not going to find a path forward that's meaningful. I get all of that. But the way the sport has evolved and the destructive change has been so crass and so overtly about the money, it's almost obscene. We know it's always been about the money. I get it. And if we're talking about the money, the players should be paid, and that's going to happen much more than NIL because if you have paid attention to all the Supreme Court, we're not talking politics, but foreshadowed their belief that college football players and men's basketball players and to an extent women's basketball players because they're revenue positive should be part-time employees. And I believe in all of those things. Get every dollar you can because if a strength and conditioning coach is making over a million bucks to tell you to do a few more reps, you should get paid as well because without the players, there's no source of revenue. But I think the biggest pushback, and I'm not just being a Pac-12 apologist who's crying over the death of a conference. Folks, if you care who I am, and I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome, we'll talk James Harden getting whacked 100 grand by the league in less than 15 minutes. More Aaron Rodgers thoughts, because that's a novel topic, but we have to get you ready for hard knocks coming up to start hour number two. If you have any conception of who I am, I have read my resume too many times. You should know that I'm a gun for hire. I am a courtesan. So in many ways, the chaos in college football is going to benefit my bottom line. Because when I'm here, if I'm lucky enough next summer, I'm going to be Big 12 Bry. And I'm going to be telling you everything you know, <laughs> need to know about a conference that I deeply care about. Because I'm a broadcasting whore. I'll use those words together. So I'm not trying to be... The gold man saying, oh, you kids have ruined my sport. Because it has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with abject greed being driven by two large television entities. That's it. Not hard to figure out. And what makes it even more grotesque is we're talking about, quote unquote, institutions of higher learning. Where are the university presidents in all of this? You know where they are? They're at the bank cashing these checks, and I get it. I understand the financial realities, especially for public schools. We don't fund any level of education the way we're supposed to, in my opinion. So if the money's there, take it. But there has to be a balancing act, or I thought there had to be, and I was wrong. Never underestimate the power of flat-out greed. And that's all that's going on right now. So if you're an SEC fan, I get it because your world hasn't changed. And you just think that West Coast football doesn't exist anyway. That's fine. I fully understand. But if you're a Big Ten fan, okay, and you live in, you pick it. I'm not going to do the Rutgers-Maryland aberration. I'm going real Big Ten. East Lansing, Michigan. You're telling me it makes sense for your volleyball team now to get on a plane and go to Seattle? And I know you don't particularly spend a lot of time thinking about Olympic sports, but you should because Title IX says they have every right to those opportunities. And because they're part of that conference, they're getting on the plane. Good luck trying to go to school when you have a roadie through Eugene and Seattle, and then you got to fly home at 4 o'clock in the morning, and it's negative 12 degrees in February in Michigan. The whole thing makes no sense. And I don't know where the guardrails should have been in place. And I know the answer is the NCAA, but the NCAA has already been morally bankrupt and never done their job. Look at what's going on with Michigan. So there's the quote-unquote negotiated settlement with Harbaugh to sit the four games. That falls apart. Now the school says, we're just going to dock them the first three games and we're moving on. And what's going to happen? What's the fall going to be? Nothing. 
because college football is broken. So watch the games. Love the sports. And if you love the sport, love this year. I know all of you are jacked up about the expanded playoff. I disagree, but the audience is never wrong. I'm going to respect your opinion there. But this is the last year of the four-team playoff, which to me is the right number because I care about the competition between teams five and six to be the last team in. When we go to 12, I don't give a damn who the 13th best team in the country is. But more is more money, and it's all about an expanded playoff to get even more TV revenue. And you know where this is all going. It's going to emulate the NFL with 64 premier teams, bigger scope, because we have more college programs for now, roughly 130 D1 football teams. There'll be eight divisions. The playoff will be enormous, 16 or 24 teams. And college football is going to follow the path of college basketball in which the regular season is going to be irrelevant and meaningless. And again, this is an old guy telling you, I love college basketball. And there was a time in which after the Super Bowl as a nation, we were consumed with college basketball. February into March into the tournament. Now it's a three-week sport because we follow the NFL combine and we care about the NBA more. But when you put all of your emphasis on the postseason, by definition, it makes the regular season largely immaterial. So I'm not telling you, turn off your station, as Mike Tyson once eloquently put it. We're going to watch the games because we still love the sport. But next year is going to be fundamentally different. And I'm okay with it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. And it doesn't mean I have to lie to you because I'm in the quote-unquote college sports industrial complex. I'll still be doing my volleyball games, my soccer games, any sport that has a check associated with it. I love the Big 12 Conference. In fact, download my podcast, Inside the Big 12 with B-Web on Odyssey. But it's a damn shame this has happened and something should have been done to stop it before we got to this point. Clearly, I have no clouts and nobody really cares about my opinion. I'm Brian Weber. In for Jim Rome, 1-800-636-8686. More of your tweets coming up. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Hour number two on the way. Talking James Harden. I'll give you more context behind that $100,000 fine the NFL or NBA has levied against Harden based on his comments about Daryl Morey in China. Plus, we're talking Aaron Rodgers. Has he decided to be nicer in New York? You know, happiness is a choice, I'm told. Getting deep on a Tuesday, Brian Weber in for Jim Rome here on CBS Sports Radio. It is another hour of the program with an effort to lighten the mood. Uncle Brian. Going in-depth, bearing my sports soul in hour number one of the program. That is the danger when one only works one day a month. You got a lot of opinions, and you feel the need to express them. But hopefully, if you have any idea of who I am by now, it should be, unless I'm a great actor, and then I'd be on strike, it should be evident that these are opinions I believe in. As much as I want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and rehearse, Jack and Alvin barely tolerate me as is. And even Jack, who is so earnest and had the relationship with the lovely Miss Elizabeth, then there was the mega powers as he and Hogan came together. Even Jack is looking at me like, you're going to tell me the story one more time about you went to Pullman, Washington to save your career like Baker Mayfield. So I realize that my style is not for everyone. Here's the good news. I am merely a fill-in host. I got better news for you. Only two more hours to deal with me. Jim's back tomorrow, and then Jim is here for the duration all the way through football season. So do give me the benefit of the doubt. Now I'm getting into the needy mode here. Or try to do better. 1-800-636-8686. If you can get past Jack Savage... I'll put you in the rotation. Emails, RomanAvatake.com. More of your social media interaction in 20 minutes. That is B.W. Weber. After I took you through all of the pain and agony I'm dealing with in college football to wrap up the last hour, we will focus on the games themselves. Week zero, just a 
lousy, clunky descriptor, but welcome to college football where nothing makes sense. We have games coming up on Saturday. Not great games, but games. Notre Dame should be a amazing atmosphere in Dublin, Ireland, taking on the Naval Academy. USC should destroy San Jose State by 40. We're going to talk about the teams with a legitimate chance to win it all. Who could be a TCU rising up, although they got annihilated in the national championship game. In 40 minutes, we talk college football with Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com. In addition to getting interactive with you in 20 minutes, just a smidge of baseball. I promise I'll do it responsibly. The goal is to be entertaining. Five minutes on the demise of the Yankees, pointing out that the current system actually works in baseball. Details coming up. I was not planning on talking James Harden today, but you go where the news takes you. So within about five minutes of starting the program, we have the latest Woj bomb friend of the program, Adrian Wojnarowski. NBA, not surprisingly, finding James Harden 100 grand for his comments, referring to Sixer President Daryl Morey as a liar. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. I, I love the <laughs> gasp in the background. And as a broadcaster, I fully respect the repetition because they teach you day one when you get the radio handbook, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them again. Let me say it again. For those of you in the back, Daryl Morey is a liar. The fine had to be levied because the league actually has guidelines. I know it feels like there are no rules in the NBA because we know the end game. Every superstar, other than I came up with two exceptions when I was doing all Dame Lillard radio all the time, filling it for Jim around the 4th of July. Paul George wanted out of Indy to go to the Lakers. Said the Pacers said, all right, how about OKC? At least there's letters in there. That's close to Southern California. And we spent so much time talking about Donovan Mitchell, Spider, as we call him. I don't know him, so I have to go with Donovan. Remember, that was a done deal. He was going to the Knicks. Instead, Utah says, hello, Cleveland. Beyond that, every other superstar has been able to talk their way to the destination they wanted, and nobody has been better in forcing their way off a team than James Harden. I was thinking about that ridiculous documentary about the vegan chef who was swindled out of all of her cash by a guy claiming to be a love guru who was going to put her in touch with the spirit of her deceased dog. I know I'm going a long way here. But when they finally met, he was, for lack of a better term, a little fat, heavy set, obese. And when she asked, well, how come you don't line up with your picture? He said to appease the spirits, he had to put on the fat suit. Put on the meat suit. Well, we know Harden can do that because he ate his way out of Houston. He wanted to go to Brooklyn. Then, and I'll give him credit for this, took him 30 seconds to realize this is more dysfunctional than even I, James Harden, can handle. I got to get away from Kyrie. Forced his way to Philly. But here's where he lost me. And again, the hypocrisy is real. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. 1-800-636-8686. More of your X's, more of your tweets coming up in 15 minutes. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. If you were with us for the beginning of the program, in the midst of that rant about Jonathan Taylor, I pointed out that NFL contracts have no meaning because 99% of them are one-way deals. Team can cut you at any time. You have no recourse. In the NBA, these are meaningful contracts because every dollar is guaranteed, and we're talking Powerball money. Jalen Brown, over 250 mil. Insane money, but it's a byproduct of the collective bargaining agreement. It's just a ratio. If the league makes X, and they keep making more and more, not Twitter, the league makes a pool of money, players are guaranteed, what, 47% of that? So it's just arithmetic. But James Harden opted into the deal. 
he put his name on the line, which is dotted. Now, Harden would have you believe that Daryl Morey came to an agreement with him. Of course, that would be breaking NBA bylaws, but we know how it works in the association. Harden seems to believe that he had a pledge in place from Morey, opt-in, and then we'll take care of you. Opt-in for salary cap reasons to help the team, then we'll deal you to where you want to go, reportedly the Clippers. Now, that made no sense to me because why would you want to leave a team with the reigning MVP and Joel Embiid? You already got Doc Rivers fired. You disappeared one more time, quite literally, not metaphorically, literally, MIA in the fourth quarters of games five, six, and seven against the Celtics. Didn't do anything. And there's no recrimination. I know he got roasted in Philadelphia because that's what Philly fans going to do. But any fan base would have annihilated a disappearing act like that. Instead, there was no consequence for Harden's latest playoff failure going all the way back to Houston when he was scoring at will and winning an MVP award. The team, quote unquote, took care of him. So where do we go from here? Forget about the hundred grand. That's just the foundation for more basketball conversation. I was not planning on having, but I talked a ton of hoops this summer, and I do find this story interesting for this reason. Context matters. Think about where Harden made those comments. China. Go back to the controversy not too long ago based on the comments that Daryl Morey made, and justifiably so, pointing out the gross human rights violations that China is, is not accused of is documented to still be doing to millions of ethnic refugees. Morey spoke his mind. China pushed back and the NBA folded. But Harden, however you view him, is a shrewd person. He knows that, for lack of a better term, in a basketball sense, Daryl Morey is public enemy number one in China. So when Harden opted to drop that blast and call out his GM, not only was he trying to escalate so he could find the exit, he was playing to a sympathetic crowd. Harden was on a promotional tour, reportedly pushing everything from wine to sneakers, and sales went up immediately because he took a shot at Maury. So he is a businessman. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. So that was part of the motivation. When we get to the end of this saga, it's going to come down to this. Is Maury now miffed enough to finally call the bluff of James Harden? Never did in the past. No one has been more supportive of James Harden than Maury. Is he going to, and he's a very bright guy, has his heart. They're, they're playing a little bit of chess here. Is he going to allow a motion to become part of the analysis? I don't think so. Or is he going to play a waiting game? And with that, if Harden exercises the only leverage he has by staying away, holding out. Harden, no need for a bake sale. I know he lives big, and if you have prime rib at the Gentleman's Club, going to cost you more than $29.99. It adds up with gratuity, plus the champagne room, I'm told. But Harden has the means to miss several checks. And then it comes down to, can he force his way out as a Distressed assets, and what do the Sixers get in return? Because you're reading reports that Maury fully understands that he could be dealing with Embiid next. And I never know what Embiid is thinking because by his own description, he's Troel. So he takes down the Sixers logo off his social media, reports circulating towards the end of last week that now Embiid is looking for a new landing spot. Before the crisis moves to a next level, Maury's got to figure out the Harden situation. And to me, there's no conclusion other than the obvious one. Harden's going to force his way out. 
So, Maury's got to come up with the best package he can get in return. Clippers make a lot of sense from a Philadelphia standpoint because they have so many assets. Clippers' roster is insane. Now, they never win anything because, unfortunately, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George are always banged up. From a basketball standpoint, adding Harden to that Bula base on a big word Tuesday of hoops makes no sense. But Harden wants out and he wants to come back to Southern California. Maury's not going to stand his ground because nobody does in the NBA. And if we can connect this to the topic that dominated most of July, if Damian Lillard is paying attention, he should follow the Harden playbook. And he sh- and we've not heard from Dame at all. He's letting his agent, Aaron Goodwin, do the talking until the league stepped in and said, you can't say the quiet part out loud that if Dame is traded to a team he doesn't want to go to, his heart might not be in it. We know how business is done in the NBA, but you can't let everyone realize there are no rules and the league is run by the best 20 basketball players in the world. But Lillard at this point should find a gym, maybe in an international setting, get the PA system set up, and call out every member of Portland ownership and the front office. Call them liars, pick whatever defamatory term, eat the fine, and force his way out. Because we know the conclusion of the Lillard saga as well. It's taking longer than it should because Portland's in no rush. But the parameters of the deal that are ultimately going to come together with Lillard winding up in Miami have already been established. Think about what the Gobert trade yielded Danny Age in Utah. A slew of first-round picks. Anthony Davis was worth three first-round picks, forcing his way out of New Orleans. Gobert was worth four. So, it'll be a bunch of picks from Miami. Probably Tyler Hero will be flipped by the Blazers to another team for another first or second round pick. End of story. The NBA has become as interesting, and I'll give Dan Lebertard credit for this line because there's too much stealing in our business. I don't want to purloin another thought. The NBA has become as much about the transaction as the action on the floor. It's the end of August, and I just gave you 15 minutes of James Harden coupled with Damian Lillard talk, and we're not going to see these cats for a few weeks because the preseason isn't even that close. So in some ways, it's a bonanza for the NBA because it keeps them relevant. It keeps them in the news cycle. Ownership may not like it, but no team has shown the wherewithal to do anything about it. So while you may not respect what Harden is doing, and yeah, he's got to write a check for 100 grand, which by past evidence looks like a Tuesday night at the club for Harden, he's going to get his way because all of these stars always get their way and because of a relationship that he's trying to destroy publicly that he's had with Maury in the past ultimately Maury is going to blink I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome 1-800-636-8686 emails could be read in less than seven minutes RomanEvertake.com or your tweets, P.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Coming up in just over 25 minutes, we talk college football kicking off on Saturday with Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. We're focusing on the matchups. No more tedious realignment talk. I have Aaron Rodgers' thoughts to get to. I'll do that in the final hour of the program. Also want to focus on the NFC East coming off a Washington win on Monday Night Football. Strike up the band. They win on a field goal in the final seconds. It was a preseason game, but it's exhibition football and we watch. I'll use that as the lever to concentrate on a division that typically commands our attention, but it's been all AFC East all the time this year with Aaron Rodgers taking his talent to New York City. Straight ahead. I promise this will be concise. Just a sliver of baseball because, as mentioned, four days from the start of college football, NFL coming up very rapidly. This is officially, for a fill-in host perspective, the last call for baseball. 
No more baseball conversation on many shows, other than Jim, because he's comprehensive, until October. Has this season proved that the broken economic system I've been haranguing about for years actually works? Details coming up. Always a pleasure to be in for the Hall of Famer. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. Good night now!